why did you leave piercing? Um, because I left piercing, I left piercing twice. Okay. So the first time I had left, by then I had three children and Sharon, the cut she had me on was just ridiculous. I was making 30% of my money okay. for like six years. Wow. So I told her like, Sharon, you know, I have three kids, like I'm making 30% of the money. Can we make a new arrangement here? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because 30% out of 150 bucks isn't much at all. Uh-huh. You know, let's say that's the hourly wage, 150, uh, 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 the hourly wage, 150 bucks at uh-huh. an hour or 100 bucks an hour back then. You're not making much money. Right. But I would be tattooing all day and then I'd sit down and do the math and I'm like, this is not cool. Like, uh-huh. So I hit her up and she was like, look, I buy all your supplies. I cover everything you need. It's not cheap. Uh-huh. You know, but I'm like, yeah, but you only have to buy that once every few, a couple of months, you uh-huh. know, like how, uh-huh. how much pigment can I be using? How many right. this or that? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. Uh-huh. So being that she didn't want to divvy up the pie a little bit bigger for me, I just bounced. Uh-huh. I just went home. You know, I said I could do this from home, uh-huh. you know, and run a clean, sterile environment. Yeah. Um, so I just notified a few clients that I trusted and told me I'm tattooing out of the house. Uh-huh. It'll save you a little bit of money, uh-huh. and um, everything's still clean and sterile. Yeah. So um, I did. I think I did that out of the house for a little bit, um, and then I ended up working for a guy out in Santa Clara. He had uh-huh. a shop. It was called Silva's Tattooing. Okay. And he had never hired anybody. Okay. It was just him, um, and he was a wild guy, super cool guy, <laughs> very funny dude. Uh-huh. Um, he was a big party dude. He uh-huh. loved to party, man. And he explained to me, like, look, I've never hired nobody, but I like you. You're a cool dude. I'm going to give you. So the way we'll work it out is, like, you could work during the day uh-huh. and I'll work during the night because I'm uh-huh. a night owl. So I party during the night. I like to party down with chicks. I love uh-huh. to do this and that. And I'm not a daytime person. Uh-huh. So you take the day shift. I'll work the night shift. I'll give you keys, blah, blah, blah. Everything that's here you can use, whatever. So... Um, yeah, I went to work for Silva, and he would just explain to me, if you ever pull up and you see that zebra curtain down, go home. Because uh-huh. that means I'm in here with some chicks and we're partying down. So don't ever come upstairs <laughs> if you see that zebra curtain down. Uh-huh. So there would be times where I'd have clients booked and I'd drive up and I'd be like, oh, fuck, the zebra curtain's down. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I'd uh-huh. see the light on and I knew he was in there partying, you know, uh-huh. so I'd have to split or cancel my appointment. Uh-huh. Um, so that sucked, but it was really cool working with Lou because he was such a funny dude yeah. um, and super cool, super, super cool. I didn't work for him for long because I got an opportunity to go to a new shop that was opening up in East San Jose. Um, it wasn't open very long. It was called True Color, uh-huh. but um, they had sought me out and said, hey, we'd really like for you to come and tattoo for us. Uh-huh. Um, here's the cut, you know, uh-huh. and it was a lot better for me. So I went and worked for them for about a year. Uh-huh. Um, and then after that, I ended up going back to Piercing. Okay. They had a new location on Park Avenue, not too far from yeah, there. Yeah. It was all brand new, very nice. Martin was still working there. Um, I think Terry was apprenticing back then. She was an artist for Metro as well. I think she did like computer graphics okay. for them. Or okay. I don't know if she's still with Metro. I know she moved to New Orleans for a while. Yeah. Her name went, it was Terry Average. Yeah. Okay. And her husband was a pretty famous DJ here in San Jose. He went by Andy Average. Okay. 
Um, but she was a phenomenal artist as well. I mean, if you think Abraham can draw chicks, uh-huh. Terry will blow him out of the water by uh-huh. one million miles. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Terry could draw chick. What, what, what blew me away about Terry is that she could draw anything and everything uh-huh. without looking at anything. Uh-huh. So, like, she would draw, like, roller derby girls for, uh-huh. for like, a flash set. Uh-huh. And I would always be like, Terry, how do you know how to ra- draw the bottom of a, r- uh, a rolling, uh, I don't know what they're called, roller blades or uh-huh. roller skates? Yeah. How do you know what the bottom of a roller skate looks like? You know, the uh-huh. little break on it. Yeah. And, like, how, she was like, well, from remembering, you know, because I used uh-huh. to roller skate, roller skate as a girl or whatever, uh-huh. you know. Like, she just had it down, like yeah. the buckles on the chin straps, like. Yeah. I need reference, you know. Uh-huh. I don't know all that right. stuff from memory, right. you know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. she did, dude. And yeah. she, fuck, she was bad, bro. Uh-huh. I don't know if she stuck with tattooing, but she was a phenomenal artist. Yeah. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. She could draw and and just her work with color as far as flash. Uh-huh. Um, amazing. That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And she was at Piercing the second time. She, you went she back. was at Piercing the second time I went back, and she was sort of like Martin's apprentice. Okay. I know they had been friends for years and uh-huh. years. That the downtown scene back then. Um, so Martin had her under his wing, uh-huh. and was just trying to help get her along in tattooing. But by then Terry was very an old, art, pretty old. You know, I don't mean to you know slander her in any way, but uh-huh. she was already kind of old. You uh-huh. know, I I want to say she was probably in her mid-40s back then uh-huh. you know this is in the early 2000s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so she's got to be a lot older now yeah but when martin opened up lucky stars she was still working with martin uh-huh. and um, that's when i seen all her new flash and i was uh-huh. just like damn terry uh-huh. you are so fucking amazing like I, I loved her artwork yeah she drew so good and like her colors like mm-hmm. her composition everything was uh, i loved how she drew women like that's one uh-huh. thing she could draw like just amazing women uh-huh. amazing uh-huh. yeah really cool so when you left piercing the, the first at piercing it was a walk-in shop you were doing everything then you went to silvas to silvas and were you was it only appointment only was it walk-in what kind For, of i was tattooing on a lot of cholos at that time like okay. a lot of mexican dudes so I would tattoo on dudes from all sides of town. Yeah. And they would just hit me up on my phone uh-huh. and be like, hey, my little brother wants to get tatted. We got 500 bucks, uh-huh. you know, can you tattoo him today? And I'd be like, yeah, of course, bring him through. Uh-huh. What's he want to get? Uh-huh. Oh, he's looking for, you know, it was never hard stuff because I could yeah. draw that stuff at the drop of a dime. Uh-huh. He wants to draw a chick that's a clown holding a gun and then uh-huh. a street sign with our neighborhood and in, inside the street sign, uh-huh. a paradise and, you know, the number 14, you know. Uh-huh. All right, cool. Bring them in, uh-huh. you know. Back then I did neighborhoods, numbers. Now I don't do that stuff. I w- you can pay me a million dollars to do it. Just because over the years I would hear like, hey, what happened to blah, blah, blah. And I'll go, he got killed. And I always wondered like, was it because of the numbers I put on his neck? Uh, interesting. The shit he got on his forehead. You yeah. know, like maybe that played some kind of responsibility in his death or uh-huh. him getting wrapped up in some kind of way. So I just yeah. felt like it's not worth 300 bucks for me to lose sleep at night. You right. know what I mean? Regardless if it's their choice or whatever, I don't want to have anything to do with that energy at this point. Right. You know, because I started changing and morphing into a different person, especially as you become a father, uh-huh. you start to look at things differently. 
And um, I feel like as we grow older, our, um, our thinking should broaden, uh-huh. you know, and we should morph and develop, you mm-hmm. know, for the better, for progress, mm-hmm. not not yeah. backwards, not rewinding yeah. and going becoming infant-like in your thoughts. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, the second time that you went to Piercing, did they close their downtown one? Mm-hmm. And was it still a walk-in shop when it was here on Park? Still a walk-in shop. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was me, Martin, and Terry. And then we hired this guy named Gunner. Uh-huh. Or Shotgun. I forget his name. It was No, it was Gage. Okay. I know it had something to do with something the gun. Something to do with the gun, yeah. Gage. Okay. And so what freaked me out is that Gage was this huge, fat guy uh-huh. with a big, like, Hell's Angel beard, uh-huh. you know, like this crazy gnarly beard, bald, wouldn't wear a shirt around the shop. Interesting. Wearing okay. overalls, but he'd have uh-huh. like the two parts of the overalls down. Uh-huh. So, and he was heavy, dude. He was probably like almost pushing 400 pounds. Uh-huh. And uh, Martin was always kind of leery of him. Uh-huh. You know, like, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. And then Martin ended up going through his desk once when he had the day off or whatever and found a bunch of copies of our artwork in his desk so like the guy was running copies of our outlines and stuff uh-huh. while while we weren't in the shop uh-huh. so martin had approached me and he's like look he's got a bunch of our artwork he's copying all our artwork uh-huh. you know all our outlines he's uh-huh. making copies of and storing it in his desk uh-huh. and i was bummed about it but i was like martin you can't be going through his debt like that's his personal workspace uh-huh. you know like uh-huh regardless of you felt a certain way like you shouldn't have went through this shit uh-huh. but they gave him the boot but one thing that tripped me out is they had told me that he wasn't a man uh-huh. you know yeah. and that just tripped me the fuck out like uh-huh. because I was like he's not Gage isn't a man like uh-huh. he's been walking around the shop without a shirt and uh-huh. he's super hairy and got this big old beard and they had told me that he had been in the process of transformation uh-huh. You know, I I couldn't wrap my head around that at that particular time, but I remember thinking it was the oddest, strangest shit in the uh-huh. planet to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyways, they canned that guy, so it was just me, Terry, and Martin. Uh huh. And then um, I had a fallout with Sharon. I can't remember why. Sharon was the owner. Was the owner. Uh-huh. I had another fallout with her, and I just went my own way. Uh huh. Um, what shop did I go to after that? Um, I want to say True Color on the east side was the shop yeah, I was yeah, yeah. discussing with you. Uh-huh. I went there, and then from there, um, Martin had opened up Lucky Stars. And before I went to Lucky Stars, I had got Abraham in there. Uh-huh. I remember Martin was looking for somebody because he had a number of stations. And uh-huh. before it was fully tattooing, Martin had opened up Lucky Stars as a toy shop slash tattoo shop. Oh, cool. Because Martin <laughs> was a big toy collector. Okay. So he had this huge lot of all kinds of different toys uh-huh. so he had display cases with really cool like memorabilia like uh-huh. be it old lunch pails uh-huh. all kinds of stuff you know just all kinds of really cool tattoo uh toys and candies uh-huh. like vintage candies and stuff yeah. like that that you really can't get your hands on too much anymore uh-huh. but he would order all this stuff and then he had the tattooing side uh-huh. um, and it made a good blend like it wasn't cheesy or anything it was uh-huh. really well planned out um and I remember uh, talking to Martin, and he said that he had a station that was open, 
And I know Abraham, I always looked at Abraham as an excellent tattoo, uh, great uh-huh. artist. Uh-huh. He wasn't really tattooing too much. He was just getting his foot in the door um, in Coyote uh-huh. at Bad Boy. But I seen his promise, mm-hmm. you know. Abe's an excellent artist. Um, so I was like, man, he has tons of potential. I think he should be at Lucky Stars where he could truly uh-huh. get his best foot forward and really buckle down into this tattooing thing. It'll be busier for him. Uh-huh. And I've always felt like the busier you are, the faster you're going to grow. Yeah. Because you're constantly working and grinding, constantly working, grinding, constantly, uh-huh. and testing yourself, uh-huh. you know. There's no time to sit down and like, okay, come back in two hours and draw. you got to be right. like, 30 minutes, sketch something out, rough right. draft, present it, right. get to the win, you yeah. know? So um, I had recommended Abe to Martin, uh-huh. and I remember Martin was kind of like, I don't know, you know, isn't he like a cholo? And uh-huh. I said, man, that's just close, dude. Like, yeah. Abe's a great guy. He has a great attitude. He's good people person, uh-huh. knows no strangers, good with all walks of life. Uh-huh trust me like Abe's the man for you yeah so I told Abe go over there you uh-huh. know what I mean he's looking for somebody Abe got his foot in the door and then shortly after I went and joined them yeah and worked for Martin probably for seven eight years at Lucky Stars how did you know Abraham I so the way I met Abraham it's pretty crazy because I met Abraham um, probably 15 or six when I was 15 or 16 okay um one of my childhood friends lived across the street from Abraham. Okay. Um, and I would always tattoo out of that house. Okay. They would open up the garage and I would tattoo at my friend Rebby's. Uh-huh. Right? Well, Rebby, my friend Rebby, his sister was married to Abraham's brother at the time. Okay. So I remember Rebby telling me like, yeah, uh, my brother-in-law Abraham, he's apprenticing at um, this shop on the east side by James Lick. It's called Visions Tattoo. Uh-huh. And I, I said, I, I've heard of that shop. I haven't been in there. Uh-huh. I said, I know it's by the Quick Stop. I've never been in there, um, but I've heard of it. So uh-huh. I walked across the street. I remember Abe was working on this. Um, forgive me, Abe, if you hear this. I think <laughs> it was a 63 Galaxy or a 64 Galaxy that okay. was like either orange or red. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember tripping, on, tripping out on Abe because it was like he was half rockabilly, half cholo. Uh, okay. I couldn't figure him out. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I'm like, is this guy a rockabilly guy or is he a cholo? Because like, uh-huh. he has creased 501s, uh-huh. but he's got Doc Martens on. Uh-huh. But then he's got this fucking Pendleton. Uh-huh. And then he's, Abe had the longest Mongolian I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh-huh. He literally shaved his whole head uh-huh. to the skin. And then he had this Mongolian that was probably all the way to his ankles. Okay. Wow. You know, crazy old Mongolian. Uh-huh. So I remember like, he's got a Mongolian. And that, that particular hairstyle, I always associated with Northerners. Uh-huh. A lot of guys that claimed nor- Northern California uh-huh. would identify with Mongolian warriors. Uh-huh. So when I seen Abraham, I was like, is he a Norteño? Is he Rockabilly? Uh-huh. Like he's got creases in his 501s, but they're rolled up five times like, uh-huh. like Fonzie. Uh-huh. So I couldn't make him out. You know, I'm like, what is he? Is he a little bit of everything? I just uh-huh. couldn't figure it out. Or he had a dead Kennedy shirt on or something. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It, all, yeah. it just threw me off. Yeah. Because he had a little bit of everything, okay. the look, right? Uh-huh. Um, but he was super cool. Like, I introduced, hey, man, I tattooed across the street on Rebby. He uh-huh. says that his sister is married to your brother. And he says, you're tattooing, you know. And it, it, We just had a little light conversation. Uh-huh. But I remember Abe saying, like, yeah, I have, I'm using this equipment. Here's this, I have catalogs. And I said, can I check out the catalog? I feel so bad because I borrowed that catalog. And I told him, I'll bring it back to you tomorrow. Uh-huh. 
And I don't know how I got lost at Rebbe's house, but I lost it. Uh-huh. So I stayed away from Abe's ha- uh, Abe. I, uh-huh. I never spoke to him for a long time because uh-huh. here he lends me this catalog for tattoo equipment. Yeah. And I told him, I'll bring it back tomorrow. Uh-huh. And then it was lost. I don't right. know what happened to it, but I remember telling Rebbe, like, how could it be lost, dude? It was right on your coffee table. Like, I don't know if Rebbe was just being a dick and hit it, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Whatever. But... I stayed away from Abe after that because I was embarrassed that yeah. I didn't think he was going to believe me. Like, hey, it's lost. Uh-huh. It's misplaced. Uh-huh. I had it right on the coffee table. Uh-huh. So I just stayed away. Uh-huh. I would still tattoo out of that house. But anytime I would see Abe, I would just fucking turn the other way uh-huh. and uh-huh. try to not talk to him. Yeah. But um, later on, he ended up coming into Pure Sink mm-hmm. and wanting to get tattooed by me. Okay. And he had did the drawing. And it was basically of him with like a big Mongolian and shades and his legs crossed and stuff. And he uh-huh. asked me, can you tattoo this for me? And I'd be like, man, I'm, I'd be honored and uh-huh. try to help him out with his machines. Because I had already started tinkering by tuning machines and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And um, so he brought his machine. I told him, yeah, bring him in and I'll help you with them and try to fine tune his machines for him. And uh-huh. he showed me his art. And I remember like, damn, Abe, your drawings are amazing. Like you do great artwork, man. You, What are you trying to do with your tattooing, you know? Uh-huh. And w- he started coming by a lot more, Pure uh-huh. Sync, you know, uh-huh. and hanging out and stuff like that. So I took a liking to Abe and we just became friends, you know? Like yeah. anytime we'd bump into each other, it was smooth sailing, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. he's easy guy to like, yeah. you know? Super cool gentleman, very awesome dude. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So we built up a good friendship. Yeah. You know? So you got on the job at Lucky Star, and then you joined shortly after. Well, I helped. I don't want to say, like, okay, what I did got on the yeah, job, yeah, yeah. but I just That's put in fair. a word for him. I think his talent and him going to talk to Martin sealed the deal. Yeah. I just made the intro, you know, like, yeah. hey, Martin, you're looking for somebody. You know Abraham. He comes by the shop and uh, would hang out at Pierce Inc. and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, you know, from the downtown scene and stuff, because Abe would go hang out at shows and stuff like that, and, you know, hang out at bars and stuff like that. I was more isolated. I was more um, solitary. I never did shit like that. Uh Um, I wish I would have, because it does good for your clientele, you know, Uh to be out there, be out there like that. Um, But I never was. Uh Um, But Abe was, you know, so, like I said, Abe knows no strangers, and... um, yeah, he got his foot in the door at, at Pierce Inc. And then I joined them shortly after. Uh-huh. And we all worked together, and that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was able to bond more with Abe. You know, we built up a really cool friendship working together all those years at, at um, Lucky Stars. And then we spent a lot of our tattoo career after Lucky Stars to, like, working side by side. Yeah. You know, so we spent many years together. Yeah. The So you said you... You said you were at Lucky Stars like seven, eight years. Is that what you said? Yeah. I worked with Martin. So I want to say I was at Piercing for nine years. Okay. And then I worked for Martin for about seven. Okay. So I worked for Martin for a very long, long time. time. I haven't yeah. seen him in years. Uh-huh. I always tell myself like, man, go visit him at at, at, at Lucky Stars. Uh-huh. You know, you owe it to that dude. Uh-huh. Um, and I do want to go see him, so yeah. I, I think I'm going to visit him. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah, man. Maybe the next time I'm in here for wound care, I'll stop by to go see him. Yeah. Yeah, because I haven't seen him in years. He's yeah. super cool. He gave, he gave, I felt like he gave me a good understanding and just helped me and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, he could be wacky at times, you uh-huh. know, like uh-huh. when I think back on just certain things, uh-huh. certain years, you know, uh-huh. I'm like, why was he that way or what, you know, whatever. Um, but we, we're all stuck in our ways, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, where'd you go after Lucky Star? So after Lucky Stars, well, Abe had gotten the invite to go to Death Before Dishonor. Right. For Paco. Yep. And I told Abe, you got to go, dude. That's uh-huh. the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh-huh. Because I had grew up admiring new school tattoo. Right. You know, I would always walk into that shop and be amazed at the artwork that I would see. Yeah. Like, fuck, why can't I draw like that? And why, am I, why are our tattoos looking like that? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But I felt like we were self-taught. Uh-huh. We came from different worlds. Mm-hmm. But it was inspiring, you know. It yeah. lit, I know it lit a fire under everybody's ass, yeah. what New School was producing, uh-huh. you know, especially Adrian Lee. Uh-huh. You know, Adrian Lee was, to me, he was the new and improved version later, yeah. later in life. He was the new and pr- improved version of Marcus Pacheco, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I felt like his, fo- you can easily see his foundation is in like Steve Moore, Marcus Pacheco, Grimey, yep. you know, you see all that work. Um, and you can see that Adrian took those inspirations and just built on them. Right. And made his own unique style and formulas. Right. But yeah, his stuff, fuck. I try to dissect it to this day. Like, how is he doing yeah. all that stuff? It looks crazy. Red outlines for this, yellow here, black there, purple there. It's just mm-hmm. crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, Adrian was actually the most recent yeah, I, I listened to it yesterday. To it? Yeah. yeah, I felt like he was. I I, I was expecting more from him. You, oh yeah. Yeah, I thought he was just gonna like, cause I'm so interested in the guy. You yeah. know, I'm so interested in his story. Uh huh. But I felt like he was so reserved. You know, with yeah. his with with his story. A lot of people don't like sharing. It can be uncomfortable. A lot of people aren't good communicators. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed his interview. I'm glad I got to hear him because right. I've never sat down and talked to him uh-huh. so that was as personal as it got for me with, uh-huh. with Adrian uh-huh. um, but there was so many things that I was wondering about where I was like fuck I thought he was going to say this or say that yeah. I really wanted him to discuss more on his background with Marcus uh-huh. you know and share that yeah. because Marcus is such a pillar in Bay Area tattooing oh, yeah. and it's like he's a fucking uh, it's like he's Batman he's only heard of and never seen you right. know what I mean or right. seen but never heard of I don't yeah, know how right. it goes but right, right. but my friend Andreas out in Germany made a whole book on Marcus Pacheco yeah he published a book on Marcus but just making that book was so hard because Marcus wouldn't document any of his work uh-huh. he wouldn't photograph a lot of it uh-huh. so they had to put this big calling out before the book was published and made for people to submit artwork if they had any tattoos from Marcus. Uh-huh. Like, hey, if you have tattoos, if you got tattooed from Marcus in these years, right. we're asking for submissions or photographs, uh-huh. or we can send out a photographer uh-huh. to document the work because we're uh-huh. making a book on his, on yeah. his tattooing. Yeah. So, um, you know, the pieces that are in that book are amazing, but I know there's so much more yeah. that we're not seeing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so a so a went to DVD. Where'd you go? Also. So I stayed at Lucky Stars. Okay. And I had told Abe when he was leaving. I said, Abe, if anything ever comes up over there at DVD, and you can get me in, uh-huh. I'll be ready. Uh-huh. You know, just keep an eye out for me. Keep an ear open. Uh-huh. And I want to say probably about six months later, Abe called me and said, you know, hey, there's an opening station. Uh-huh. Station's going to be opening. Uh-huh. Why don't you come down and talk to Paco? Uh-huh. So I had already. I would always, when I worked at Pierce Inc., I would always walk over to New School, like let's say I was going to Jack in the Box. Yeah. 
I would always see Paco outside. Uh-huh. And one day I uh, went in there. This is right when I first started at Pure Sync. It was rare to see a professional Mexican tattooer. Uh-huh. So yeah. to see that Paco was doing amazing tattooing, that he, had, that he was Mexican, putting it down like nobody else out yeah. here. I went up there and I introduced myself and um, I had asked him if he had Huck Spaulding's A to Z book. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, it's right there on my bookshelf, man. You want to borrow it? Just borrow it and bring it back when you're done. So, like, he let me borrow that book, and, uh-huh. you know, I was just trying to soak up the information that was in that book. It wasn't very helpful, but but it was enough to answer small questions, like, uh-huh. oh, okay, I get that, uh-huh. or I see uh-huh. that. So that book helped out a little bit, but it was cool that Paco didn't know me from shit. Uh-huh. I told him, hey, I tattoo over here at Piercing, and, you know, the piercer, she says that I should come over here and talk to you. And uh-huh. I remember Paco asking me back then, like, what are you trying to do, like, you know, like uh-huh. what's, I didn't have very many tattoos back then, uh-huh. and I remember showing him this really cool uh, Aztec collage that I had that I wanted him to tattoo on me, uh-huh. and he said, "Dude, I'll do that for free." Uh-huh. That's so cool! Like I'll do that for free for you. Uh-huh. Set me up with an appointment, and I flaked. Really? I never showed up. Oh snap! I it, I flaked because I felt like he's fucking major leagues. And you should gift him with something. Uh-huh. But back then I was only making 30%. I had rent to pay, uh-huh. groceries to buy, and uh-huh. I just didn't feel comfortable showing up empty-handed. I uh-huh. was like, nothing's for free. Like, you should at least tip him. I knew that, you know, because right. I was in the service industry. Right. But I didn't have much, uh-huh. you know, and I felt embarrassed, like, getting something for free, uh-huh. not giving him something in return. Uh-huh. So I just never kept the appointment. Uh-huh. You know, I never showed up. and. Uh-huh. Just try, I would see him and I'd try to walk the opposite side of the street, you know? Uh-huh. I don't know why I would do that instead of just telling him, like, man, I'm sorry, I skipped out on the appointment. Yeah. I don't have a lot of cash. I wanted to tip you out really well. Uh-huh. You know, can we catch up in the summer or something? You know, I right. should have just been vocal. I should have been able to vocalize something right. for him, right. you know? But I didn't. Um, what, so did you just avoided him until you went to, until you finally worked for him at DVD? Or? No, I would still see him, you uh-huh. know, every now and then downtown. I thought he was crazy because uh, one day he might dress like a cholo, uh-huh. you know, and then the next day I'd see him and he'd have like this shirt that looked like Freddy Krueger's and a brim hat <laughs> and some suspender. Like, I couldn't make him out either. I'm like, yeah. well, is he a graffiti artist? Yeah, is yeah, he yeah. a reggae? Like, <laughs> he has so many different identities. Every time I see him, he had a different identity. Uh-huh. One minute he might have a big crazy afro, uh-huh. the Mexican afro, and then two weeks later he'd have his hair slicked back and uh-huh. short, uh-huh. and he'd have a Pendleton buttoned up all the way at the top and uh-huh. a white shirt underneath and creased uh-huh. dickies, and I'd be like, <laughs> last time I seen him we had a Rage Against the Machine shirt on, uh-huh. a fucking green beret, uh-huh. a leather turtleneck, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. like, this guy's always... One day he looks like Prince, uh-huh. you know what I mean, with the crazy pirate shirt on, with all yeah. the crushed velvet, and yeah. he's got, um, you know, velvet pants on and yeah. platforms, and uh-huh. then he looks like a fucking uh, heavy metal guy. I don't know. Yeah. That was strange to me. I'm like, man, he's got crazy identities. Yeah. You know? But it was just because he had so many different um, 
interests, you right. know, whether it be, he wasn't afraid to be who he was, you right. know what I mean? So. And all the while he's Jap, he's uh, tattooing. I Japanese. wish I would have stepped out of my boxes like that, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. there yeah. was so many things I was into, but I was just like, gotta stay this way, you know? Uh -huh. So I would always just stay the same, you know? Yeah. I was afraid to explore different things because yeah. of what people might think, Yeah. you know? But now I'm like, who cares, dude? Like, if you want to wear leather pants wear leather pants you uh -huh. want to wear uh leather shorts put on a pair of leather shorts who yeah. cares what anybody's gonna think this is your life to live right right for sure yeah um so paku so, gives me a break yeah paku you're you're at you're at dvd yeah and yeah how was it there i felt like man i hit the major leagues yeah you know i remember having to tell martin that i was leaving and i was so bummed out because I wish Martin would have had those opportunities, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. you know, because he didn't, he didn't have a very big background in tattooing either. Uh -huh. um, he was also kind of like isolated as many people as he knew. And I don't know how many tattooers he knew at that particular time, but I wish he would have maybe had those opportunities before opening his own tattoo studio i wish uh -huh. he would have been able to work with this guy and that guy and just uh -huh. network and have a better education in tattooing i think it helps uh -huh. you know to have that um so i felt bad leaving martin you know because i i wanted to share that with him you know because i felt like man he gave me a break mm -hmm. who's gonna give martin his big break mm -hmm. you know even if he is a shop owner uh -huh. i just felt like he had built a wall and like that wall's gonna hurt you martin like you need to be open to building friendships and networking and don't be afraid to make friends dude and learn more you know uh -huh. as brilliant as an artist he was like it should reflect in your tattooing as well you know uh -huh. if it's not then you're stagnant right you know there's only so much you can decipher through looking at a magazine or a book mm -hmm. sometimes you need that those secrets to be explained to you like here's what you're doing wrong when you're applying yellow mm -hmm. apply it this way here's what you're doing wrong don't use that white mm -hmm. that's garbage mm -hmm. here's the white you need to be using mm -hmm. mix up your own white yeah. here's the ratios here's what you don't add to white here's what you don't add to orange mm -hmm. you know what i mean and yeah. learning those formulas and like okay i get it yeah you know yeah so yeah i was bummed to leave martin but I knew I, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, I was very thankful for Martin because um, business was amazing at Lucky Stars. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So I was kind of scared leaving the finances. Uh -huh. yeah. um, but shit, man, I was going to get to work for Paco. Yeah. You know? And I felt like I was going to learn a lot more. Uh -huh. My work would improve. Um, and I was super hungry, uh -huh. you know? super hungry to learn and work with those guys and uh worked with a lot of cool artists there yeah you know um that particular time it was paco schmo dog mm -hmm. um carlos ayala abe ortega dirty alex mm -hmm. dylan sandstrom mm -hmm. brendan rose adrian godoy mm -hmm. paco's brother cristo mm -hmm. chronic joe and then the shop managers 
Um, I can't remember if I'm leaving anybody all out. All of you. Oh, were and there Sean, Sean Phillips was there too. That was those were all the artists over the time that you were there. You all, yeah, that was not like all at once. At the same time. Yeah, not all at once. I was like, damn, I didn't know the house was so, that big. No, well, yeah, that we we <laughs> had one room that was called the team room. Uh huh. You know, so it was like four or five of us in there. Yeah. You know, yeah. we we figured it out. Like, uh -huh. okay, because. You know, this guy's going to come in and work in that corner and he's uh -huh. going to share the station with this dude or uh -huh. whatever. And we'd all make it work. Yeah. Paco had a big room, so he'd accommodate two or three artists uh -huh. in there. You yeah. Know? So there was a lot of artists. There was always ro a rotation there. Yeah. You know, of guys coming and going. I know yeah. a bunch of guys worked there that I never had the opportunity to work with. Uh huh. But um, yeah, Paco had a bunch of different people in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who. How did your work evolve while at DVD? Um, being next to Paco, he was open to sharing, like, here's how you draw a proper koi. Uh -huh. You know, this is uh -huh. what makes a good koi. This is how you do finger waves. Uh -huh. um, and just studying his work live in the flesh. Now I get to see him draw it. Uh -huh. You know, oh, that's how he's doing dragons. Uh -huh. and that's how he's doing water. So I picked up on a lot of that stuff fast, uh -huh. you know, and I remember him coming into the room and he'd see you drawing and he'd be like, that's not how scales are done. Uh -huh. This is how you do it. So uh -huh. he was very informative. Uh -huh. You know, he'd really sit down and show you mm -hmm. how to do certain things. Mm -hmm. So um, that improved me a lot. You know, yeah. um, it helped me a lot um, working there. And then just... Um, being around guys that did more American traditional uh -huh. and seeing their approach and then having, you know, like art nights where we'd sit down and work on Flash together or uh -huh. whatever. That was always cool. Yeah. Uh, and seeing everybody's own unique formula to doing yeah. how they did their Flash or how they might have did their line work or whatever. Um, Drew Flores was there too, who's another amazing tattooer that worked for Taki for a number of years. Uh -huh. I think he's private now. Yeah, he is private. Um, but he travels all over the world. I feel like Drew Flores, I just call him Drew, but I feel like Drew is probably the best tattooer to emerge from San Jose in the last 15 years. Yeah. Hands down. Blows motherfuckers out of the water. Hmm. Okay. I saw his promise early, early on, uh -huh. and I remember showing it to Paco, and he was friends with Abe first. Uh -huh. And he would come and visit Abe at Lucky Stars, and I always wondered, like, why doesn't he ever acknowledge me? This uh -huh. fucking guy, Drew, always comes to the shop, but he would always go directly to Abe and be like, what up, Abe? And, you know, just uh -huh. hang out with Abe. And I'm like, why doesn't he ever say, like, hey, what's up, man? My name's Drew. Uh -huh. You know, I'm Rob, whatever. Until later on, he approached me through MySpace. Okay. That was back in the MySpace days. Yeah. And we were talking about music, uh -huh. and that's how we started to build our friendship through, okay. through hip-hop, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I'm a library when it comes to hip-hop, right? Okay. So we started discussing music, and that's how we built our friendship. Uh -huh. And he had told me, yeah, I also tattoo from home. Uh -huh. So I said, oh, no shit. You know, I didn't know you were tattooing. Uh -huh. You know, so he's like, yeah, I tattoo. You know, I'm trying to get my foot in the door or whatever. Uh -huh. And he told me what he's doing and stuff like that. So when we built up our friendship, I seen what he was doing. And I felt like he had so much promise. Uh -huh. You know, he just needed to get in the right environment. Uh -huh. So I remember showing the guys at DVD and on his MySpace page. And nobody was feeling it. Uh -huh. They were like, ah, like not really and I said man give him a just give him a chance uh -huh. give him a fucking chance uh -huh. 
So I got to got him into DVD. He got his foot in the door at DVD. Stayed there for a while, and then I went to Humble Beginnings. Uh-huh. I left DVD, went to Humble Beginnings to work for Orly. Uh-huh. They needed a walk-in artist, um, and then I brought Drew in there too. Uh-huh. I told Drew, "Hey, there's an opening here. I've put a vouch for you. Come over here." Uh-huh. So he followed me to Humble Beginnings, uh-huh. and. Um, he flourished, man. He built up a really good friendship with Chris Brandt, who uh-huh. was working for Jack Rudy at that time, uh-huh. and guesting at Taki's place. Uh-huh. And then Chris Brandt took him on as apprentice, uh-huh. and he just fucking flourished. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's tattooing with all the big shots, you know, yeah. doing guest spots all over the world, um, and is amazing. Yeah. Amazing tattooer. You got to look him up. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So you left you left DVD like because Orly reached out and was like, "Hey, we need a walk-in artist." Or? I'd always known Orly yeah. over the years, yeah, since way back, and um, you know we always had a mutual respect, uh-huh. common courtesy, and stuff like that. Orly was always super cool, super chill, uh-huh. and um, Jeremy, who I worked with at Lucky Stars and Blake Brand, were working at Humble Beginnings, uh-huh. and I think you know I'd go visit Jeremy every now and then. At Humble Beginnings. Uh-huh. Back then, they were above the old Honda motorcycle yep. shop yep. Um, before they got above Starbucks. And um, I'd go visit Jeremy, and I'd always tell him, like, if anything comes up, let me know. You know, I'd uh-huh. love to, to... I liked the vibe that was at Humble Beginnings. Uh-huh. It was a different vibe from DVD. Uh-huh. They were all super chill. They had that whole island vibe going, you know, yeah. where they were just super lax and yeah. super inviting and warm and welcoming. And I like that. And uh-huh. I seen that I felt like their their um, teamwork was a lot different. Uh-huh. Like you could see they were more involved in each other's approaches. Like, uh-huh. oh, what are you working on? Oh, dude, maybe if the water was this way, uh-huh. that would really help this part or that. And I liked that. You know, uh-huh. I'm like, man, I wish I had more of that, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, uh, Orly had a asked me what I was doing once. I, I think I went to work privately for a minute at, uh-huh. at me and Abe shared an art studio in uh-huh. downtown San Jose. And I bumped into Orly and I think he asked me like, what are you up to? And I said, oh, I just left DVD. And he's like, come to Humble. Uh-huh. He's like, I, I need somebody right now. Why don't you come to Humble? Uh-huh. So I was like, for reals? And he's like, yeah. And I said, fuck, when? And he's like, tomorrow. Uh-huh. So like I went and worked at, at HB. I think I was there for almost five years. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you leave DVD in the first place? Because uh, <sighs> <laughs> it's hard to put, man. Just there was constant, there was a constant, um, I just felt like, like my development wasn't as much as it could be. There's only so much you can learn on your own. Yeah. But I felt like, man, here we are working for this fucking triple-A tattooer. And I just felt like it was one thing after another, you know? Like, this is happening now, or this didn't happen, and you hear this or that, and I'm just like, this is fucking whack. Uh You know what I mean? This is whack. And um, Paco was always understanding. That's one Uh thing I will say. Like, if I was you know, a few hundred bucks short on rent or whatever, uh-huh. if I had a slow month or whatever. He was always super cool. Uh-huh. Like, just work on it next month. You know, uh-huh. take care of it next month. Try to get it to me in the next two weeks. He was always super cool like that. Uh-huh. But there was other things that that were just wacky. Uh-huh. 
And I started seeing a door that was constantly changing. Like artists were constantly in and out, in and out, and no one was planting their feet, uh -huh. planting their flag. And I'm uh -huh. like, what? all these people keep coming and going and people coming and going. And I felt like New School had built such a reputation on doing bodysuits that the promotion of DBD was lackluster. Like we should have pushed ourselves as, hey, we're, we don't just concentrate on, on that. Like we're a uh -huh. walk-in shop, uh -huh. we're walk-in artists. That's what we do. Uh -huh. Abe had, was already established and all that stuff, but for new artists, when you bring in new artists, you gotta market that. I feel yeah. like you should always market that and push for your artists and your shop to have that, that availability to accommodate the, the general public. Uh -huh. Um, and a lot of people knew that there was a tattoo shop there, but not a lot of people would walk in for walk-ins, uh -huh. you know? So yeah. if you didn't have your own steady clientele, you were going to suffer. Yeah. You know, yeah. you might have a few walk-ins, but not many because uh -huh. it wasn't known for that, uh -huh. you know? And were you mostly doing Chicano style stuff at DVD? I was doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I always was whatever I could have. Always doing yeah. Yeah. Because back then, by then I had learned to respect traditional. Uh-huh. I had figured it out, you know, and I'd started producing, you know, sort of like neo-traditional tattoo uh -huh. flash. Uh -huh. I'd really gotten inspired by a lot of that stuff um, and liked it, uh -huh. you know. I, I learned yeah. to respect that artwork. So um, I was kind of, you know, after tattooing Chicano imagery for 17 years, it kind of becomes like a box of cornflakes. Uh -huh. uh -huh. You know, like how much more... Small not cry leaders, can you produce? How right. many more clown girls do you want to tattoo? And a lot of those dudes don't want to pay for the work. Uh -huh. They can get tattooed by anybody in the neighborhood for fucking 50 bucks. Right. So for them to come and spend 150, 200 bucks an hour, right. they're not going to do that unless they have like a union gig somewhere and they work at Tesla or something. They might break you off, but, yeah. but it's far and few yeah. that want to pay for it. Right. A lot of that stuff I'd give away. Mm -hmm. You know, because I was just eager to do it. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so you're at Humble. You're there for like five years. Mm -hmm. Were you only, you were exclusively doing walk-ins at Humble or, or no? No, I had already established my own clientele. Okay. Um, so I had a good stream of clients. Um, back then I was tattooing a lot of females. Okay. You know, just a lot of women. Yeah. I don't know how I built up that clientele, but, uh -huh. you know. Women love flowers and uh -huh. butterflies, and uh -huh. they see it and like, who's doing your work? Oh, you know, Bobby or Rob uh -huh. over here at Humble. Uh -huh. And then I'd get a call like, hey, my hairstylist seen your work and she really likes it. She wants to set up an appointment. Can she uh -huh. go consult with you? Or, yeah. you know, the nurse I work with at O'Connor really likes uh -huh. the back piece you're doing for me. Can she come and see you? So it just, uh -huh. you know. Yeah, snowballed. Yeah, snowballed. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of productive. Yeah. You know, you start tattooing on all those women and they start throwing bait your way and it's tough, man, tattooing on chicks. Yeah. You know, because some are very attractive, you know, and uh -huh. it's a very intimate setting, you know, to get tattooed and uh -huh. temptation is a strong weakness. Uh -huh. So for me, it became counterproductive. Okay. You know, because... Uh, I just started getting involved with female clients, man, and okay. it hurt my relationship, yeah. you know, drew a wedge between me and the mother of my children, uh -huh. who I had been with since I was 
turned 17 years old, you uh -huh. know? So uh -huh. that professional environment of tattooing on so many women. Yeah. You know, I had learned so much tattooing around other men, seeing their approach with women, uh -huh. you know, and like how they would talk to them. So you absorb some of that and it uh -huh. rubs off on you, uh -huh. not for the better, uh -huh. you know, so I'm going to use that line on that chick or whatever. Uh -huh. and, and it just ran, it ran me, made me make a lot of bad choices, uh -huh. you know, and it fucks off your money. You uh -huh. know, like I said, it's counterproductive. So to any artists that are listening to this, don't don't make that choice to get involved with your with your clientele in any kind of intimacy outside the shop because you live by your reputation. Uh -huh. So let's say you get involved. Let's say you're already married and you decide for whatever reason to get involved with this female. Things go south for whatever reason. She's not going to refer any clients to you uh -huh. because you hurt her heart or whatever right. happened. And then you start gaining this reputation as a playboy or... Uh -huh. You know, this or that. It's just not good, period. Uh -huh. It's not a good choice to make. Yeah. So be as professional as you can. Keep your head in the books. Do your uh -huh. work. Mind your business. Keep uh -huh. it professional. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fucked off a lot of money that way. I know that. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Okay, so Humble for five years. So then... even when I was at Humble, I was doing a little part-time work i got the opportunity to work for todd thoucher and craig toth out at in redwood city through okay. my old buddy lou silva okay yeah. he ended up working for those guys and brought me on board so uh -huh. i was able to go work um, back then the shop was called homeward mound in redwood uh -huh. city before it became Holdfast. Uh -huh. and they're amazing artists too todd thoucher Craig Toth, they don't get enough credit yeah. in Bay Area tattooing. But uh -huh. Craig Toth had worked at New School in the early stages, and he's a brilliant tattooer, Does can do anything, tattoo uh -huh. anything, another great artist. Um, yeah, and they were super cool guys, you know, very supportive, very warm-hearted guys, uh -huh. super lax, super chill. Um, and they'd come down to the, H, the Humble Beginning art shows and support whatever I was involved in. And, uh -huh. You know, super cool guys. Yeah. You know, I wish yeah. I would have um, stayed working there longer. Uh -huh. um, but it was kind of slow for me in Redwood City. Uh -huh. You know, it was hard for me to gain momentum. So being that I was working at Humble Beginnings as well, the momentum was growing for me at Humble. So uh -huh. I said, you know what, I should be there. It's busier for me. Uh -huh. You know, because I had to pick or choose. What do you right. want to do? You want to communicate? You want to commute and make zero? Or you want to stay here and keep building. Yeah. So I just decided to stick it out at Humble. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So you stuck it out at Humble. You were there about five years, you said. And then where, where, what happened after that? From Humble, um, where did I go after Humble? What? I think after Humble, I went back to DVD. Yeah? Yeah, I think I went back to DVD. How, how long were you at DVD the first time? I think I was there for a total of seven years. Off and on. Okay. Because I had my art, you know, there was times where I would just, like, get tired of the shit that was going on at DVD or uh -huh. whatever, and I'd go work at the art studio, you know, uh -huh. and tattoo on my clients at the art studio, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, so it was off and on probably seven years. Uh -huh. And then I went to Humble, uh -huh. stayed there for about five. 
And then um, I left Humble because I had the opportunity to go to, to Europe. Okay. And um, I remember they threw me like a going away party and stuff like that. Because uh-huh. Abe had opened up that opportunity for us to go work. I had already been to Germany and stuff like that to work uh-huh. with my buddy Andreas. Uh-huh. Um, but now it was for a longer experience, um, a more extended time. So we went to the Netherlands, out in Holland, um, and got to work for this guy named Dennis, who uh-huh. had just opened up a shop. Um, he had just acquired a tattoo shop and hired a bunch of people that didn't really know that what they were doing. Uh-huh. Um, so he had met Abe. Abe had took a trip out to tattoo on some family members that were living in Holland. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know all the ins and outs on how Dennis and Abe met, but Abe left an impression on Dennis, uh-huh. and Dennis ended up flying out here to the Bay Area uh-huh. and putting a proposal down on the table for us. Like, uh-huh. hey, I really want you guys to come out and work for me. Uh-huh. What do I have to do to get you guys out there? Uh-huh. And so, you know, we we put basically a verbal agreement together with him. Uh-huh. And uh, I was the first to go. I told him, I'll go, you know what I mean? I'll go first, you know? Why not? Uh-huh. You know, so I went out there and worked for three months, and it was busy. It was cracking. Uh-huh. It's like raining gold out there. Yeah. You know, the minute I landed, the news came out to. It was like such a big deal for uh, Chicano to be out there in Nijmegen. Uh-huh. You know, the news came the day I landed uh-huh. and started tattooing. They were like, "We want to cover you on the news and let people know that you're here and there's a Mexican tattooing in this town and all uh-huh. this shit. It's really weird, but, <laughs> yeah. but, um, it did wonders for the business. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. So yeah, it was great. It was great. And so we would take shifts like uh-huh. three months on, come home for two weeks and then junior would go out there and then Abe, and then we were all out there together. Uh-huh. But I think I stayed the longest. I think I almost had a total of three years out there. Like collectively, over yeah, time. over yeah. time. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I would come home for breaks and stuff, and yeah, holidays yeah. and stuff, because my kids were still out here. But me and their mo- their mother had split up, uh-huh. um, so I decided like just let me stay out here since uh-huh. we're not together. Yeah, you know. Um, but I would still come home and visit, you know, yeah. for for a few weeks and tattoo on clients that I had out here still yeah. and stuff. That's so wild. I didn't know that. And yeah. I, and so you were back at DVD but going back and forth no I was at Humble Beginnings you were at Humble doing that yeah I see I left Humble oh, oh um, that's right you said yeah that. I, I left Humble for the opportunity to go to, to Holland yeah that's right you know so they threw me a little going away party and then after two years I think I was out there for two years I came back and worked at Humble again uh-huh. and then um, me and Orly had this fallout uh-huh. it was so retarded uh, but we had this fallout and um, I ended up going back to Holland. Uh-huh. I went back to Holland, and I think I stayed there for seven or nine months. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, call, just called up Dennis and said, hey, I need to get out of here. You know, can I go over there and work? And he's like, yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Come, We'd love to have you. Come uh-huh. back, uh-huh. you know. So he arranged for my ticket and stuff, uh-huh. you know. He was always very, took care of us very well. Uh-huh. You know, got us an apartment out there. We needed for nothing. Uh-huh. Like we had our private taxi driver out there. Like it was uh-huh. great. Yeah, uh-huh. he he spared no expense for us. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's a great guy. He opened up. He recently opened up Switzerland's very first cannabis dispensary. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he became a multimillionaire. That guy. Yeah. I still have him from on Instagram. His tattoo shop no, free, he sold the tattoo the shop to one of the artists. Uh-huh. You know, um, he lost interest in the tattoo thing. He uh-huh. still loves tattoos and artworks. He's a big graffiti guy. Uh-huh. Um, and he'll still go out and like bomb on walls and shit like uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. But he, even when we were out there working for him, he had always been a grower. Uh-huh. And he had told me he had been growing since he was a teenager. Uh, and he would travel all over the world. He'd uh-huh. go to Jamaica, Brazil, New York. He, uh, he sent his brother to Oaksterdam to learn how to properly grow and educate himself so they could flourish in that business. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, he was always a big grower and stuff like that, but he was never legitimate. Uh-huh. You know, he was like a street hustler. Um, but he had already amassed a fortune when I met him, uh-huh. you know. He had already had... He, he was like a street kingpin out there, you know. He, he was younger than us. He was younger than us, and um, he had it sewn up out there. He had a good. Uh, he had a reputation as like someone you don't fuck around with, and super cool guy. Super uh-huh. cool guy. It wasn't like you were working for John Gotti or anything, but uh-huh. he just he had that reputation. Like, hey, he has guys that don't play around. Right. Don't cross him. Uh-huh. Um, other than that, he was a great guy. Yeah. You know, he never did me wrong in any way. Uh-huh. You know, it's yeah. very cool. Always helped me if I needed help or uh-huh. I was could be very open with him. Uh-huh. He's a great guy. Always opened his doors to me, mm-hmm. to his home or mm-hmm. set me up with somewhere to stay. Yeah. It's always cool. Yeah. The, um, yeah, so, okay, so you, that's a really cool, that's pretty dope that you were able to go yeah. to Europe and, for, and learn, like, how did that influence your your art? Well, your, your life, anything? I mean, it, it did a lot for me. It was more uh, learning for me in different, more than ways than tattooing. Uh-huh. You know, because when you're not with your children and you just sort of think about your children and how you need to repair those bonds, and I started to feel selfish at the end. Like, am I out here just for the sake of? having a good time and uh-huh. be, being away and feeling liberated, but you have dependents that need you in their life. Uh-huh. I started to miss them a lot more uh-huh. and wanted to repair the relationship with their mother, uh-huh. you know? So, you know, we started communicating more and just trying to make amends. So I came back home and I came back to Humble Beginnings for that short while and uh, things soured, so I went back. That's when I told you I went back out to, to Holland for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was only to generate a good income, uh-huh. you know, and get back home, Yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I did that and um, started work. We had bought a home out in the valley a few years back, about seven years back. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when Abraham had opened up Black Suit. Uh-huh. So I'd, Abe had already told me in advance before we were, I had went back to DBD, uh-huh. and I was just sort of like shuffling in and out of DBD. But Abe had told me, "Hey, I'm going to be opening um, my own shop," uh-huh. you know. And so he was looking for locations. And then once he opened, I went to work for Abe. Uh-huh. You know, he's like, "You know, won't you come over here and work with work with me?" Uh-huh. You know. So it was more. It was natural. You know, uh-huh. of course, I, I'd known Abe for so long, and we worked together most of our tattoo career stayed out together in Holland and stuff and so 
Abe was like my ace deuce. You know what I mean? He was my my fucking one of my best friends. Yeah. You know, so I went to work with him, and um, I think those gaps of coming and going hurt my clientele a lot. Um, and then a lot of my clientele wasn't comfortable with the location yeah, of Black Suit. Of yeah, back then yeah. that area was really shady. Yeah, very seedy. Um, so a lot of my clients, they didn't grow up in that kind of environment. Uh-huh. A lot of them are techies or uh-huh. just don't come from that, you know? Mm-hmm. They're not comfortable with that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my clients were kind of complaining to me, like, hey, you know, when I left the shop, these guys were trying to approach me, mm-hmm. you know, hitting on me while I was walking to my car, following me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of women didn't feel comfortable at night. And then I had some clientele that had witnessed people getting their ass kicked, Mm -hmm. you know, at the light rail station or whatever. And they're Mm -hmm. like, dude, I'm not booking any more appointments. Like, Mm -hmm. let me know when you get to a different location. I'm not going back over there. Uh I seen some guy get his teeth kicked out. You know Uh what I mean? Uh I'm not going over there. Uh What are you going to do? You can't force anybody. But it started to hurt me financially. Right. So being that I had just bought a home in the valley and I was uh, commuting, to black suit from from the Modesto area, my finances got a little tight. Mm-hmm. So I told Abe, hey, um, you know, we just bought a home out in the valley. I don't have all the rent together, mm-hmm. you know? So I thought Abe was gonna be like, it's all good, bro. Like, just make up for it or whatever. Uh-huh. Abe basically was telling me like, hey man, I have a business to run, not my problem, uh-huh. you know? I get it now, uh-huh. you know, you can't think with your heart in business. Uh-huh. You know, you got to think with your head. I, I love Abe. Yeah. I love Abe. I still love him to this day. Yeah. If he were to call me tomorrow and be like, man, I need a thousand bucks, I'd do my best to get it to him. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because I really care about that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, and so now you're tattooing in the Central Valley. Now right? I'm tattooing. Well, I went, and tat- I went and tattooed for one of our buddies, Dirty Alex. He had moved to Montana. Okay. And back then I was working at a shop called Black Rose in Stockton. I've been everywhere. Uh-huh. So I was working in Stockton at Black Rose um, with El Jerome and Rhino. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of really good artists that were working at a shop. Sonny Vasquez, um, Amuse. Really, they had a, a crew of really good talent, talent there. Uh-huh. Um, but mostly focused on Chicano artwork. Okay. For me, I was like, again, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh, fuck, uh-huh, you know, how many uh-huh. of us are going to be under this roof doing the same shit? Like, uh-huh. there's no, we need to be standouts, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I felt like it, it made the shop suffer in many ways. But I had the opportunity to go to Montana. Mm-hmm. Alex calls me up and he's like, Bob, it's fucking raining gold out here. Uh-huh. It's like tattooing in the 90s. And I'm like, yeah, right. And he's like, I'll have a plane ticket for you tomorrow, man. Give me your info. I'll uh-huh. take care of everything you won't need for shit. Get out to Montana. Uh-huh. So the very next day, he had told me, he's like, I bought you your ticket. If you can get to the airport in X amount of days, like your ticket's good and uh-huh. fly out. So I went. Uh-huh. And it, dude, my first week, I think I made 12,000 bucks. Jesus. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, so when I got back, I only worked there for like a week, maybe 10 days. I uh-huh. forget. It, it wasn't very long. I think maybe eight to ten days. Um, I came back 
and Alex called me like a week later and he goes, Bob, like people are inquiring, the people you tattooed, they want to know when you're coming back. Would you be able to do two weeks on, two weeks off? Like, uh-huh. I said, let me talk to the guys here in Stockton because, uh-huh. you know, they've given me an opportunity and I don't just want to fucking kick rocks, you know? Uh-huh. So I spoke to them and they said, Bob, you know it's fucking dead out right here, right now. Like, it's kind of tough for you to, like, to gain some traction. You're not from Stockton and... Uh-huh you know, whatever. So if you have that opportunity, take it, uh-huh. you know? So they were working with me. So I do two weeks on in Stockton and two weeks out in Montana. Uh-huh. And Montana was just, you know, I was doing two weeks every two weeks for probably three months. Uh-huh. And then Alex called me and he's like, what if we needed you for 45 straight days? Uh-huh. Could you do that shift? Uh-huh. And I said, I'm fucking Mexican, not Mexicant. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> okay. so I'll, I'll do uh-huh. it, dude. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know how I pulled it off because the shop was that busy. But I was doing the 45 straight days so the rest of the guys could have like three days off, uh-huh. have their time. But in back of my head, it sort of burned me because I had went through all that in Holland. And I didn't want to do that again, like uh-huh. put my family on the back burner for the sake of tattooing. Uh-huh. Um, especially for the sake of money. Right. But at that particular time, when Alex had invited me out to Montana, my house was under foreclosure. Mm-hmm. So I was, it was already on auction block. Uh-huh. So I was scratching my head like, fuck, how am I going to fucking save this house? You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to lose. So he called right in the nick of time because me and my lady were able to save our home, get back on track. and. Uh-huh enjoy a lot of fruits, yeah. you know, after that, because yeah. it was every two weeks. Uh-huh. So it really helped. And then the 45 straight days was amazing. Uh-huh. So I, I, I was just making insane amounts of money. Yeah. And then um, uh, the way that came apart at, in Montana was um, one of their artists that they had hired, he had just had this fucking uh, situation with me where he felt like I wasn't respecting him. Uh-huh. And I give everybody common respect. I've uh-huh. never been one of those dudes that's just blatantly dis- disrespectful. Uh-huh. I mind my business. Anybody that truly knows me or has worked with me knows that I s- sort of stick to myself, uh-huh. mind my P's and Q's. Unless you come to my station and say, hey, Bob, what do you think? Should I do it this way or that way? I don't mm-hmm. go out of my way. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and that's always, I've always sort of been reserved that way, you know, just mind your, keep your head in your books, mind your business, you know, don't start drama, you uh-huh. know. Um, but I've always been very straightforward. A lot of people don't understand, can't stand, uh, stand or, or stomach that. Like when uh-huh. I, I'll, I, I'm very dry, straight to the point. Yeah. I'm going to give it to you raw and uncut. If you ask me my opinion, I'm going to tell you, that looks fucking retarded, bro. Uh-huh. Look at her eyes. They look all twacked out. She looks like she's been on meth for two weeks. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. her eyeballs look like softballs. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'll tell you straight up. But um, this guy, this certain worker, just, I don't even want to say his name, but he's from the Santa Cruz area. He just mm-hmm. had it out for me. Like, mm-hmm. just constantly, like, well, if you respect me, how come you never bought me breakfast? Uh, if you were, how, how come you've never invited me out to go bowling? It was just stupid shit like that. Uh-huh. And I was like, dude, I'm not, I was not hired here to be your friend. Right. We had this crazy old meeting at Alex's house over this. Uh-huh. Alex is like, hey, 
dude has it out for you. He feels like you don't respect him. And I'm like, Alex, I've tattooed for you, with you, and I've known you for about eight or nine years. You know me inside out, right? So why do I need to come out here and be friends with your other tattoo artists? Like I give them common respect. I say good morning, blah, 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 small chit chat. But am I on his bowling team? No, I'm not on his bowling team. Mm-hmm. No do I care to be. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need to be on his bowling team. Is if, if that's part of what you require for me to work for you, then we'll troubleshoot and figure it out. But I told the dude, I was like, look, man, you're wearing these cut-off dickies. You've got your socks pulled up to your knees. You're wearing a muscle shirt. You're wearing a big bandana. You look like this crazy old gangbanger, but you sound like a housewife that's mm-hmm. begging and pleading for her husband to, to massage your back. Mm-hmm. You sound like an angry, disgruntled housewife to me right now. And he's like, got up in the garage, we're, we're in Alex's garage, and he's like, you, if you think I'm a bitch, why don't you get up and fight me? Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I'm not gonna fight you over your feelings. You're in your own feelings. You figure it out, dude. But whatever. So Alex was like, executive decision, dude. You disrespected him. You called him an angry housewife that's basically telling a man he's a fucking pussy. Uh-huh. Um, if you're not going to fight him, you're going to fucking have to sit the week out till I can figure out how we're going to work this out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, fuck, all right. So Alex told me, during your break, go tattoo in Cheyenne. Uh-huh. And, um, in Cheyenne for a few days, I got a buddy that has a shop out there go out there and work. Uh-huh. So I did, and it was a bogus run for me. Uh-huh. Super dry. So I went back, and it was off and on for two weeks. Like, you're hired, you're not hired, you're hired, you're not hired. Uh-huh. Oh, this, this has to be worked out first. So at the end, it was just fucking whack, and it didn't work out. So I came back to Cali uh-huh. and started working in Sacramento. Uh-huh. Yeah. For, I stayed in Sacramento for three years up till about a year and a half ago and started working out in Lodi. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, it's been up and down for you for for a bit, huh? I like it because it's given... I like it and I don't like it. I like that it's given me the opportunity to meet people from all over, uh-huh. you know, and some of those um, clients stick with you no matter what. Like, uh-huh. I don't care where you go. Like, I'll be out there on this Sunday of this month. Uh-huh. You know, I like your work. You know, I'm comfortable with you. I'm going to stick with you. Uh-huh. So that's awesome. Um, and I still have clients in Montana that still fly me out there. Yeah. You know, they'll be like, hey man, I saved up X amount. Can you come out on this period of time or whatever? And I, I still go out there. Uh-huh. I still go out there. And um, one of the workers that worked for Alex opened up her own shop, her name's Whitney, and she still invites me out and lets uh-huh. me go over there and do guest spots and stuff. So I still make my way out to Montana if yeah. I can. Yeah, and still clients still uh, hit me up, social media, or message my phone. I'm like, uh-huh. hey, wondering if you'll be out here in this time of the year or whatever. Mm-hmm. We want to get tattooed. Mm-hmm. So that's very cool. You yeah. Know? Same with Sacramento. Wherever you go, you know, if, if you build a good bond, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be lifelong. Yeah. You know, some people don't care where you go. To them, it's like, great, it'll give me the opportunity to go spend the weekend out that way. Or, uh-huh. You know, I still have clients from San Jose. I haven't been out here for years. Uh-huh. And I just recently got a few messages where like, hey, you tattooed me in fucking 2000, blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to get a new piece. And I'm like, dude, I haven't been out there since fucking 
I can't even remember what year I left, but I'm not uh-huh. out there no more. Uh-huh. Check into these guys, you know? Uh-huh. So I'll refer people to either Drew Berger that works for Abe, yeah. um, or I'll refer them to Abe or refer them to Marks of Art or something, you know? Uh-huh. Like, oh, you know, go see Humble Beginnings. They do tons of poly tribal, uh-huh. you know? They're the masters of that stuff. Go see them, yeah. you know? So, yeah. yeah. Looking back over your career, when was like, the like what were some of the most important moments or I think periods I think the most important was having someone take a chance on me Uh because it was so hard as a Chicano tattooer I'd go knock on doors all the time and nobody would ever want to give you the chance they back then they they like laughed at Chicano style artwork Mm -hmm. it wasn't accepted like it is today Mm -hmm. where you know I don't know why a lot of Chicanos, like, they gripe about it, that everybody does that style now, you know, but we sold it off, you know, when you put it in sketchbooks and make flash and prints, Mm -hmm. you're selling it to whoever wants to buy it. So once that sacredness is gone, it's romanticized now. Um, But it's... A lot of the stuff that goes around, it's not truly that Chicano artwork I grew up seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, I consider that like, I don't consider it Chicano art. I consider it more like gangster art, uh-huh. Chicano gangster art, street art, but, um, or prison art. But all the new stuff that's floating around, it's, it's, um, it's repetitive. Uh-huh. You know, it's real repetitive. It looks the same. I can tell exactly. Like, that's just a reversed image from the cover of this magazine. They took uh-huh. that chick's face and they uh-huh. added makeup, clown makeup, or uh-huh. changed her hair or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's the same exact pose. That's Marilyn, that's Marilyn Monroe. Just they right. threw this or extended her hair and added uh-huh. a fucking Mexican-style shirt on her or uh-huh. whatever. Um, but yeah, I could decipher all that stuff, uh-huh. you know. Um, but people all over the world do it now, you know, uh-huh. from Japan to Italy to Spain. Um, I don't consider it Chicano artwork. I just consider it black and gray. Uh-huh. Um, it's done really nice, you know. I don't knock none of it. But um, when I do see the stuff that was once sacred, um, certain imagery that should should once upon a time was earned or only certain walks of life had that stuff tattooed on them. All that stuff is out the door now, uh-huh. you know? It's like the Italian mafia, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's it, Once upon a time it was a certain thing and now it's just sort of like not yeah. taken too seriously, Yeah. you know? So yeah. whatever. But the most important part for me in tattooing was um, being given the chance uh-huh because I wanted it so bad and it was something I never gave up on and knowing that it could happen, uh-huh. you know? So I always tell people, if you want it bad enough, when people come in like, I want to learn, uh-huh. you know, you'll get whatever you aim for. Uh-huh. It's not up to me, uh-huh. you know, it's up to you. Yeah. People come in all day, every day. Hey, I'm looking for an apprenticeship. I want to mm-hmm. start tattooing, what do I got to do? We hear that all the time. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. You're coming to me and you want me to, give you that chance mm-hmm. prove prove it mm-hmm. come in 50 times book an appointment get tattooed like yeah. why do I owe you anything yeah you know so I was just happy to get the opportunity and then 
looking, always trying to make sure that I had a next step up that staircase. Mm-hmm. You know, like telling Abe, hey, if anything opens up, keep me in mind. And, you know, him looking out. Those opportunities came because of friendships and people not forgetting and mm-hmm. just assisting, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I remember me and Abe started a art collective together um, because it was hard for Chicanos back then to, to find and build and network. So I said, why don't we come together and build this collective of Chicano tattooers here in San Jose and we mm-hmm. could assist each other and help each other. And I think our opportunities could open up a lot better if we work as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, if we work as a team, we can accomplish a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's sit down and figure out how we can go about this. And, you know, um, I think we had the right vision um, at the perfect time, but we fumbled. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if we would have took it more seriously and really buckled down and made more of an effort, I mm-hmm. think we could have done a lot more mm-hmm. and had so many more wins. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I just don't know what happened. Is yeah. this this is the studio that you were talking about that you opened while you two were at DVD? Um, no? no, that was just an art studio. But uh. w- this art collective was basically a group of of. Chicano tattooers, one German, which is our buddy Andreas out in Germany. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, with Andreas, like he did a lot of book publishing, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, we should have explored options on what we could present in book form, mm-hmm. what we can push in book mm-hmm. form, um, merch, you know, because we had clothing, you know, but I felt like every man became his own island and was more focused on what can I do for me? What am I doing for me to build my own brand instead of building that collective? Mm-hmm. Because the, the group had a name, you know what I mean? The group had a name and we were, you know, all vocally saying what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But when each one of us would produce something rather than the collective coming together and making sure, hey, promote this, promote that because he just released this or he's going to release that we could have been more supportive of one another's efforts to ensure success Mm -hmm. as a team, Mm -hmm. you know? Teamwork makes the the dream work, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think, I don't know. I don't know if everybody just had their own agendas or Mm -hmm. whatever it was, but I know that I was constantly pushing it. Mm -hmm. I was constantly behind it because I'm the one who started it. So I wanted to see it become as fruitful as possible and harvest success for each and every individual. Yeah. You know, but um, just I felt like other people didn't take it too serious or were afraid. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Yeah. You know, but after a while, everybody just went in their own directions and Mm -hmm. decided to buckle down and do what they were doing. Yeah. 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 Well, is there uh, anything that you want to say that you haven't gotten a chance to talk about or Um, say? Just, you know, for anybody out there that's uh, wanting to get involved into tattooing on a professional level, uh, don't stop, don't give up. The doors will open up in due time. You, you'll get what you aim for. But understand that it's a very saturated uh, craft now. So I think in order for you to be successful, um, it's going to have to show. Yeah. You know, it's really going to have to show in so many ways. Mm-hmm. for you to find your footing in this craft mm-hmm. because 
I, I, for me personally, I feel like a lot of more tattooers that are involved now have less amount of time, mm -hmm. but show far show far more growth mm -hmm. in a in a such amount of time. I don't know what it is, but I feel like when I see work and it's like been tat this person's only been tattooing five years, it blows my mind. I'm like. Mm -hmm. They've been tattooing five years and they're producing this kind of work. Mm -hmm. That's fucking amazing. The mm -hmm. saturation, the level of art, mm -hmm. you know, just Jesus Christ. I don't know if it's the tech behind tattooing now, if it's mm -hmm. the iPads or the rotor. I don't know what it is, but just things look so much far more advanced. And if you look at tattooing in the 80s mm -hmm. compared to what's being produced now, it's just like leaps and bounds. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's... If you compare even the apprentice, like this is what they were doing at five years mm -hmm. and what this person's doing at five years in the year 2023, mm -hmm. there's no denying like the, pro the pro uh, progression. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. just I still run into people all the time that say they want to get involved. Mm -hmm. How do they go about it? You know, um, so I just tell people, you know, it's like anything else, whether you want to become a chef, a welder. Uh, a pastry chef, whatever you want to do, you know, auto body painter, every craft requires that you dedicate yourself to it, mm -hmm. do your best to, to learn it. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do to be a standout? Mm -hmm. You know, cause there's another million car painters. There's another million pastry chefs. There's mm -hmm. an another million plumbers, mm -hmm. carpenters, whatever it is. Yeah. But what are you going to do to set yourself apart? Yeah. You know, so that you could be the cream that rises to the top. Yeah. Right. So work hard. Have you ever taken an apprentice? Um, I've tried to help people uh -huh. get their foot in the door. I've always felt like I can't teach. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a good teacher. Um, my son's been chipping away at me, like to teach him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's in his early 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just told him, you know, action speaks louder than words, dude. If you really want this... Um, show me, mm -hmm. show me, mm -hmm. you know, because he's already heard all the stories. He's yeah. grew up under a dad that tattooed, so mm -hmm. he knows what's expected. Mm -hmm. So I told him, if you truly want it, show me something, yeah. and I'll take you on because you're my son, and I, I, there's nobody more that I'd rather give it to right. than my own flesh and blood to carry the torch. Right. But if it has to die with me, then that's what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully somebody will crack open a book one day and see my work and go back and dig out whatever I did and be like, man, this guy's inspiring me. I want to fucking mm -hmm. use his work as my blueprint. And who knows, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not like trying to figure out who wants to be taught. Right. You know, I don't care. Yeah. I really don't. You know, mm -hmm. Every it seems like everybody wants to learn right now. Yeah. You know, Yeah. I just I was just on Instagram the other day and. I seen this barber who does amazing haircuts mm -hmm. that's apprenticing as a tattooer. Like yeah. he's also apprenticing to yeah. tattoo. And I was just like, why? Like you're already a great barber. Like mm -hmm. I could tell you're super booked out as a barber. Mm -hmm. You're doing crazy great haircuts. Mm -hmm. It's no different than tattooing. Like uh -huh. it's almost the same shit, you uh -huh. know? I feel like hairstylists, barbers, tattooers, it's almost like the same shit, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. So I just didn't get it. Like, what? You're a barber. You've been cutting hair for all these years, and uh -huh. now you're apprenticing to tattoo. Mm -hmm. I just, 
I don't know. I just feel like you're already in the perfect lane, dude. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. he, maybe he has a hunger that I don't know of, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe he's been wanting that before he ever got into haircut. Maybe he yeah. only cut it hair because his grandpa did or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and career changes are also sure. much more common these sure. days, too, right? Yeah. So, but... I don't knock no one's hustle, man. Like, you know, get right. in where you fit in. Yeah. And if it's meant to be, it will be. Yeah. You know, work. I just feel like work hard, mm-hmm. like work hard, you yeah. know, work hard and make it count. Yeah. You know, for sure, man. You know, and if you can find someone to teach you all the better. Right. You know, someone that's true. I, I feel like a lot of people get apprenticeships now under people they don't even know of or respect or have uh-huh. an understanding of. They'll just find someone in find somebody that's willing to say I have an apprentice mm-hmm. you know I meet people like oh I'm apprenticing him and her and her and him right. and I'm like you've only been tattooing two years right. I'm, you have five apprentices right. right I don't get that yeah you know yeah. where I know people that have been tattooing 25 years and they, they've never had three apprentices mm-hmm. you know what I mean right they concentrate on one and just build that one up right you know nice and clean sharp it's mm-hmm. not about quantity it's about the quality you know and they want to make sure this one apprentice this one guy i'm taking on or this one woman that i'm taking on is going to be it's she's going to talk for me long after i'm gone or he will speak for me volumes after i'm gone Mm -hmm. and that's what counts right right so that's how i see it yeah you know you can knock on the door knock on the door sometimes you got to bust that fucker down take Mm -hmm. what's yours Mm -hmm. you want it take it Mm -hmm. You know, grab the bull by the horns, man. Don't yeah. bullshit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like apprentices show up, they don't have no artwork, mm-hmm. they have no tattoos, mm-hmm. but they walk, watch Ink Masters, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Yeah. You know, but have no documentation. Look, I've been drawing since I was seven. Here's all my stuff that I've produced in the last three years. You'll mm-hmm. see the growth or the mm-hmm. development or where I fall short. Mm-hmm. And I've been tattooed by Scott Sylvia, Freddie Corbin, mm-hmm. Nate Bumuelos, mm-hmm. Abraham Ortega, mm-hmm. Orly. Like they have, like they're out there collecting, observing, learning, asking questions, mm-hmm. booking appointments, mm-hmm. supporting the craft, not just wanting mm-hmm. and not giving anything back. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah. I think there's a difference. For sure. You know? Yeah. I respect those people that go out and get tattooed and build up those friendships and then might chip away slowly like, hey, look, I've been, I don't know if I ever showed my sketchbook, but Mm -hmm. here's an idea I'm playing with and like, fuck, I didn't know you draw, dude, this is amazing, what Uh the fuck, why didn't you tell me you're an artist? I didn't know how to, I didn't want to be that guy, you know Uh what I mean, but this is an idea, I hope you can refine it, like, fuck, no, this is amazing, Uh dude. Like, you want me to do it? I think you should look into fucking Matt Shama. This is more his shit. You know what I mean? Like, that way. Do it that yeah. way. Yeah. I don't know. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, thanks, man. It's yes, been, sir. It's been great talking I'm glad with you. I, I'm glad I could share. I hope it was pretty good. Yeah, no, I yeah, loved it. Man. Yeah, yeah. It was great. The, the beginning was a little dark, but, <laughs> you know, it, it's, the story well, I mean, of, it's the story of my life, man. Yeah, that's so. I was like... It, yeah. You can't change it. That's how you're. The soundtrack your to my life would have been better. Yeah. The soundtrack is yeah. better. Yeah. Soundtrack's better. The sound, it sounds like it. Uh, <laughs> soundtrack is better. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. It was nice to be here, man. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad I was able to share. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank for you. Sure, dude.